0: Hey, Kristen.
2: Hey, Tom.
0: I'm, I'm looking at you over Zoom right now mm-hmm. <laughs> because we've been out of the office for about six months.
2: Yeah. It's been a minute.
0: Yeah. So this is the first sort of episode of an, a new series we're doing on Gone Cold. It's called yeah. What Happened To? And the reason why we're doing this is because since the pandemic hit, sort of the way that we were doing Gone Cold episodes uh, wasn't really sustainable.
2: No, uh, we have to interview people. We have to go into their homes, kind of get to know who they are, interact with them on a more personal basis. It's just not conducive.
0: Yeah, but we, we are still going to do this podcast. So this is episode one of What Happened To. If you could describe it in a couple sentences, how would you do it?
2: It's, we're going to say shorter, maybe uh, a little more concise into the point of the stories and we will include many more um, types of cases beyond the parameters we've already set for Gone Cold. That's what I would say.
0: Cool. And this doesn't mean that the regular episodes that that you're used to hearing on Gone Cold are gone forever. Yeah. No. Um, we we actually have one that we're still working on. We're we're editing slowly. That'll come out at some point. And you know, if we can make a regular episode happen uh, again, we'll, we'll definitely do it. But for now, we really just want to start. Telling these stories again through the way that we can right now during 2020, which, as everyone knows, turned out differently than anyone expected.
2: Oh boy, did it! Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, people are at home and maybe they want to listen and they have more time to listen. So, we're hoping to put this out, uh, at least you know, one every couple of weeks. So, we'll see how this goes.
0: All right, so. The first episode is coming up right after this. It's called What Happened to Melvin Dunn.
1: KYW Original Podcasts
2: It was the Thursday after Mother's Day, May 14th, 2020. Some teenagers were walking along Park Avenue near Broad Street, close to where Stenton Avenue comes in. They noticed something large in the back seat of a white Pontiac. It was wrapped up in blankets and there was a belt tied around it. It looks like a body, one of them says. A neighbor on the block was outside and heard them. She looks in the car, agrees, and calls 911. The car had been there a few days. A few days earlier, someone had parked that car in that very spot that person got out and climbed into another car.
1: Suspicious deaths, murders, the missing. Every victim has a story, even if every story doesn't have an ending. From Gone Cold to Philadelphia Unsolved Murders, this is... What happened to
2: around the same time Marlo Dunn and her family are calling everyone they know, looking for her older brother, Melvin. We said
3: we can't believe he didn't call. This is not like him. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. We knew something was
2: wrong. And as close as me and my brother is, I felt it. Just a few days before, on Friday night. Melvin, Marlo, their mom, Carolyn, and Marlo's daughter all had dinner together. They lived together. He came in, you know, he changed
3: his clothes, he got dressed, he sat down to eat with us, and then he said,
2: I'll see y'all later. After he finished eating, he left, and that was the last time we seen him. They guessed that he just went out with some friends, but they knew he'd be back the next morning because he had to go to the auto zone on North Broad Street. He was there around 9 a.m. He was going to the auto zone to get parts for his car because something on his car was messed up.
3: All he kept talking about is he had to get something fixed on his car. Somebody was going to fix it. So he was going
2: to get the parts so that the person could fix it. That was the last time Melvin was seen alive. melvin dunn was a family man he was the oldest brother to two younger sisters marlo was the baby he was just you know a loving person
3: would do anything for anybody would give you the shirt off his bed you know he loved his
1: whole family as an adult he was loving funny to all of us to his family he loved his family because after my husband died you know he took on the father role he saw that we was all okay and he did the normal things that a son would do.
2: Melvin was the kind of kid everybody wanted to be friends with growing up. He was like a jokester, playing ball, hanging with his friends, the normal things. And mainly, he
1: hung with his friends a lot. Drive bikes, hanging out at the store. He just did a lot of things, skateboarding, skates. He did a lot of things as a child.
3: He loved to read. He would always read sort of like the gangster novels and stuff like this.
1: He loved the read books. My son was a good person, a caring person. He treated everyone he met well. He was altogether a good
2: person. But Melvin also suffered. He had diabetes. It was
1: to the
3: point where he sometimes could barely even walk because his feet would bother him so bad. It was like really, really bad to the point where, you know, he would pass out and stuff like that. It really bothered him, so he really didn't do much. You know, he was mainly in the house with us and stuff like that, but he was all around, you know, a good person.
2: Melvin grew up. He had kids of his own. Take them out and
3: spend time with them, you know, just do things that a father would do with their kids. They were, like, really, really close to their father.
2: And the siblings and their mother leaned on each other, continuing on with their family traditions. We would go to like
3: Wildwood. At our younger age our parents would take us and stuff like that. Ocean City, Maryland. And just little trips our family would make sure we we did to stay together. When we got older, it was more like just parties and you know family gatherings cookouts and dinners and birthday parties it was at least a couple of times a year we always got together thanksgiving everybody's birthday you know every every occasion every holiday
2: melvin never missed a family gathering when mother's day rolled around and melvin didn't call his family panicked Once we started calling him Sunday when he didn't call
3: us and it was like no nobody talked to him, nobody in the family, no friends and everything. And that's when we start going around looking for him because that was really unusual because that's something he'll never do. He'll call his daughter on Mother's Day, my mom,
2: me, my sister. That's something he will never miss, his Mother's Day. Because there's so many women in his life. Right. So what did you guys do on Mother's Day?
3: We didn't do much of nothing. Um, I believe my mom might have called the, um, the cops the next day, which was a Monday, because we were still just saying, oh, maybe he's at some, maybe he had a friend house and he just taking over, like, don't want to be bothered. You know, or, and that's why he's not answering his phone. That's what we thought. And we really started getting worried. They became their own search party. It was terrible. It was just like heartbreaking, like not knowing you know where he was and you know what happened to him. We were calling all around even calling the city morgue and they said they didn't have a, a John Doe that came in by the, by that name,
2: you no, know? so it was just terrible. Did you guys like go out looking for, I, you know, I don't know what you do. We
3: did, I did. It was actually me, my sister, and you know, other people actually went, went went um looking around. Me, my sister, my boyfriend, her husband, you know, his daughter, his kids. Like we, everybody was looking. Everybody was looking around for him. We were like going to places where he usually be and everybody just kept saying they didn't see him. We were really looking. That's how I knew something happened to my brother.
2: They got in touch with a friend who let Melvin use her car. The family reported him missing and she reported the car stolen. We figured if we, you know, reported it stolen, that would be the only way to find him. The car was found just a few blocks away from the Shell station on North Broad Street near Seton Avenue. It's a busy intersection. There's a family dollar nearby and Kim's Market is about a block away. It's residential, but there's always people walking around. The neighbor on Park Avenue called police on May 14th about the white Pontiac that had been on her street for a couple days. There was a large object wrapped in blankets in the back. It was suspicious. Police went out and they smelled the smell they know too well. It was a body. Marlowe gets a call.
3: I was at work. Someone called my mom and said they found a um, dead body in the back of his car. I instantly knew it was him because we hadn't talked
2: to him, and he don't go days without talking to us. Marlo races over to the police administration building. They don't know yet if the body is Melvin's or not. It's badly decomposed. And now with the pandemic, they're not able to get down to the medical examiner's office to identify it. So they had to describe him. I um, had to...
3: Tell like what kind of tattoos and stuff he had on his body. They um really was wanted to know about this tattoo on his neck, which was my father's name, because I believe that might
2: have been all they could see. The body was Melvin. Crime scene officers get to the scene. They pull Melvin's decomposing body from the backseat of the car. It had been very warm that weekend, and his body was in the car for about four and a half days melvin's wrapped in two blankets with a belt around the midsection crime scene officers and homicide detectives go through every inch of the car they find a shower head and a hose on the floor and they find his cell phone they also find the auto zone receipt and the car parts melvin bought in the trunk of the car the medical examiner looks through his body and finds that he had one gunshot wound to the chest It goes in from the left side of the body to the right side, but there's no bullet in the car and there's no blood, not a drop. Detectives get Melvin's cell phone records, which shows that Melvin drove up North Broad Street around nine o'clock. And by noon that Saturday, May 9th, his phone goes dark. Something else was odd though. When homicide detectives actually went to the auto zone, they noticed the surveillance video is gone. They have every video from the entire year, But that day, it turns out their cameras malfunctioned that particular day. Marlo, Carolyn, and the family pulled together Melvin's funeral as best they could during a pandemic.
1: So when we walked into that funeral home, I walked in looking at a pond box. They only allowed 18 people in. The family first, first 18 people in the family, then 18 more. It was really a mess. It really was. It's like my child was taken from me twice.
2: And why do you say he was taken from me twice? Because I couldn't see his body when he
1: died. And then someone killed him, well, someone killed him first and left him laying somewhere where nobody could find him or didn't notice him. And then when I got to the funeral, I couldn't see his face or anything. So for me, that was like losing him twice.
3: By the time they found my brother, his body was deteriorating and we wasn't even able to view him at his funeral. We never got a chance to see him since that Friday that he went missing. Never got a chance to see his face or anything. It's very hard.
2: So no matter even if he was decomposed or anything, you wanted to see him? Yeah. Detectives have no leads. Melvin had no enemies. You know, they don't really know much. And can you think of anybody he had a fight with or anything? Or Nobody.
3: Nobody, because he wasn't like that. He always was in the house. Like, he always, he never got into anything with nobody. So that's why I really wouldn't understand who would do something like this to him. You know, in his younger days, he fought and argued and stuff like that. But that was when he was way younger. But you know, now, he, he wasn't like that. He was about his family,
2: his kids, and his grandchildren. Their family is now left reeling.
1: Oh, it has devastated me. It really has. I cry every day. I'm okay one minute and the next minute. I'm not. But it's just devastated everybody.
3: I personally feel hurt every day I think about him. It's like, it's bad. Like, I cry every day. I think about him every day. I got to come in the house and, you know, see that he's not here. I just don't know how our days going to be without him. I look out the door thinking that he's going to come walking in the door any minute. And he don't. Like, it's bad. He has two daughters and one son. Like, they're really not doing good. They're doing bad, too. They're doing bad, too. And it's everybody is just broken up.
2: If you have any information or believe you may have seen something Mother's Day weekend at the AutoZone on North Broad Street or maybe saw something odd involving that white Pontiac, you can leave an anonymous tip for detectives by calling 215-686-TIPS. That's 215-686-8477. Or you can email them, photos or videos or anything you may have witnessed at tips at phillypolice.com.
1: I would just ask that someone come forward and say something if they saw something or if they know something. I would plead to them to do that. Know somebody knows, I know. Just having some answers, it will give me some closure because right now I don't know anything.
2: Thanks for listening to What Happened To. I'm Kristen Johansson. If you like this episode, I'd like to ask you to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would help us out a lot if you rate and review the show. We'll have another episode out in a few weeks. And it's a crazy story that you're not going to want to miss about a cold case in the Philly suburbs and a guy who thinks it could be connected to bodies found on both sides of the United States. Stay with us.